You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. If you're looking to improve the performance and return on investment of your marketing, then you are in the right place. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this marketing-focused podcast, and it's very, very cool to have you tuning in, so thank you. Because this show is brand new, I'm currently running a competition where you could win a Keep Optimising podcast t-shirt. Oh yes, we are giving away t-shirts. Stay tuned to the end of this episode, though, to find out exactly how to enter. In today's episode, I'm talking to Christina Azarenko about using categories to target long-tail keywords. Why am I doing that? Well, because this month we are all about helping you improve your SEO performance. I saw Christina present on this topic at a recent Brighton SEO virtual summit. For those of you not in the UK, that's one of our top SEO events, and it's very hard to get on the bill because they only go for the best um, SEO speakers and the best SEO content. Now, I was blown away by how clever and yet easy to implement the strategy is and how powerful it is, is as well. Some amazing results, which Christina will share with us shortly. So I just had to get her on the show to tell all of you about it. So she's going to be sharing this awesome method for using your categories to grab that long tail buying traffic in just a moment. But before we meet her, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 38,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact lists and emails that pop and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit klaviyo.com masterplan to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Today, I'm chatting with SEO expert Christina Azarenko. Christina is an SEO consultant who focuses on delivering results. For one e-commerce client, she achieved a sales increase of 5,400%. Yes, 5,400%. And we're not talking over years, we're talking in just a few months. She's a globally respected SEO whiz who's been featured on pretty much every single one of the key SEO sites and blogs and conferences. So it was a no-brainer to get her on the show today. Hello, Christina. Hey, hey, everyone. I'm very excited to be here and to share things that will be valuable for you. Awesome, because I'm excited to have you here too. But before we get into the awesome topic you're here to talk to us about, how did you get into SEO? Uh, yeah, it's a very interesting question, and I ask myself it sometimes as well, <laughs> because for me, it was a completely random thing. I was working at a job I didn't like at all. It wasn't connected with computers. At that point, I'm not sure that I even knew what a website was. Um, but one day, I just found training in SEO, definitely without knowing what SEO was. And I just jumped on it. It was an offline course, and I was oh my God, I fell in love with it so much that I even had to uh, take some days off from my then uh, full-time job and just to learn, just to, you know, soak all all this knowledge. Uh, And after that, I found a job um, at an SEO agency. And since then, it was 
10 years ago, I think. And since then, since then, I've been in love with SEO. I always think that SEO is one of those topics, which if you, you you've got to really adore it to be successful because there's, it's, it's kind of like a discovery and a, you know, constant exploration, constant experimentation. And if your heart is not fully in it, you're just never going to be an amazing SEO person. Yeah, I see that's, that's true. But honestly, I think this is true for any, any sphere. If you don't like what you are doing, you're not going to be creating it. Let's be honest. But SEO is a good example of this because Again, if you don't like it, you're not going to explore new things that are going on. And there are things which are going on every single day. Uh, so to be, to be on top of this is definitely challenging. Well, let's dive into what you're here to talk to talk to everyone about today, which is about using categories to target long-tail keywords. And before we get into it, I just want to let all of you know, all of you listening know, we're going to be talking about an amazing process that Christine has developed. It's a little bit complex. A lot of it, uh, we can't explain all the how-to on the podcast because it's an audio-only medium. So what we've included on the show notes page for you is, um, so that's at keepoptimizing.com, is a link to Christina's blog post where she goes step-by-step into every bit of detail. So don't worry as you're listening, if you're worried you're going to miss a detail or or some of it you want to see, because all of that's available for you right now. You just need to go to keepoptimizing.com, head to the show notes page for this episode, and you'll find that. Plus, you'll find a way, which we'll talk about later on, of how you can get a video tutorial on how to get it all as well. Plus, I should also say, if you've got questions on it, then Christina's going to be in the webinar we run at the end of the month, which again, you can find details on that at keepoptimizing.com. Right. That's enough preview uh, or prequel uh, waffle from me. Um, Christina, let's get into this. Why should we care about finding ways to target long tail keywords? Yeah, it's honestly, it's one of the, uh, it's one of the best questions to ask when it comes to online stores, because, okay, what a long tail keyword is, it's something specific, which people are looking for on Google. And when it's something something specific versus something general, it means that people are actually more willing to buy it. For example, my favorite my favorite example ever is about t-shirts, and you're going to hear a lot about it in the framework as well. But think about that. If somebody is looking for t-shirts, you don't really know what what exactly they need. Maybe they just interested what a t-shirt is, right? Or uh, something else. And if you are an online store, the competition is insane. So it's really hard to break through this and rank in top one, two, three. And at the end of the day, this might not be something which would be beneficial for you if you rank just for general keywords, um, to be honest. So when somebody is searching for something, uh, green t-shirts for men, this is an example of uh, a long tail keyword. It means that people are more um, aware of what they need and they are willing to buy it, to get it. So if you are ranking for this particular keyword, you have more chances to attract buyers versus just tie kickers. Because the longer tail the keyword is, the more words that are in it, the, the higher the buyer intent is usually, isn't it? So the more likely they are to buy, which makes it so much more attractive. Yeah, exactly. And what's interesting is that 
usually a long tail keyword would have a lower competition. It doesn't mean that it doesn't have competition at all. Uh, it does, but the competition is usually lower uh, in terms of how many people are searching for this, right? So, and it really surprises me when online stores don't target, don't think about these keywords, because first of all, these are, again, keywords that can bring um, buyers. And secondly, the competition is lower. So it's a win-win for you. I know what you mean. It's kind of crazy. You know, many years ago, I used to run a marketing agency. And for a few years, we offered SEO services. Uh, you know, no, never uh, to the kind of extent we're going to be talking about today. But we, I'm sure you experienced this too, Christina. You speak to clients and they're like, I want to rank for T-shirts. And you're like, why do you want to rank for T-shirts? It's going to take years. And there's so many people searching it who don't want your product. Why don't we rank for, you know, in, in a few months, we could rank for 20 long tail keywords that actually represent your products that have low competition and that people searching for actually want to buy. So why on earth do you care about t-shirts when the money is to be made over here, you know, and the money and the profit is to be made over here? Exactly. Exactly. That's a really good point. Like, for example, I don't want to rank for SEO, for just SEO, because, oh my God, I'm sure that even if I do, um, I'll get so many um, potential client calls with people who don't really understand what I, what I do, who don't really know what's going on. And this is just a waste of time, right? So targeting just general general keywords, whether you're an online store or whether you are um, a B2B company, it doesn't always make sense. Oh, completely, completely. So hopefully we've convinced everyone now that long tail keywords are the place they want to be investing their effort. But uh, the other part of, of the framework you've developed is about focusing on categories to hit those long tail keywords. So why are the category pages the, where, the ones we should be focusing our long tail keywords on? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say that it's only the category pages that you should focus on when it comes to long tail keywords, because sometimes if people are looking for a particular product, then a product page might be a better landing page for uh, this query. But at the same time, in general, when it comes to e-commerce websites, the most uh, visited landing pages are category pages. Uh, and when I say the most visited, it means... Um, when people are searching for something um, on Google, uh, most, they most likely uh, will see category pages versus product pages. Again, it's not always the case, but um, it happens very, very often. And I also saw one of um, one research, I honestly don't remember uh, the source, but it researched uh, many e-commerce websites and it actually showed that Again, the most visited pages for e-commerce are categories. When, for example, for many websites, when you check Google Analytics or you check Google Search Console, you'll see the homepage. Um, so that's why for e-commerce, optimizing starting with category pages, to me, is a more scalable approach. It doesn't mean that you should discount product pages or the homepage at all, but starting uh, for, from category pages is a good solution. But there are also uh, ex exclusions, and this framework is not for um, these situations. But uh, I just think that I also need to uh, give this example as well. So um, for this kind of websites, for example, which are selling extensions or WordPress plugins, um, 
for these kind of websites, product pages which talk about plugins or extensions would be most important versus category pages. I've worked with one uh, Magento e-commerce, Magento extensions vendor, and they were concentrating only on the product pages, which worked for them really well. But again, for most most e-commerce websites, start with category pages. And I suppose the, the great thing about the category pages is one, it's what's being found, you're being found for in the search pages already, it's where the volume is of, th- of the traffic of the customers, but it's also a little bit more future-proofed than a product page. And if you're a fashion retailer, your products may be going, you know, you may be bringing a new season on every year. So those product pages are living and dying, but your category, you know, your dresses category page lasts forever. So you've got some longevity in there as well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really great point. Yes, I agree. And also, what is important that sometimes, sometimes, and I'll give you an example uh, just in a second, uh, sometimes stores also remove their category pages, especially, like, for example, seasonal pages. Don't remove your seasonal pages, please. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yes, everyone... That means if you've got a Christmas crackers page or a Christmas wrapping paper page, don't get rid of it. Leave it up all year round. That's what we're saying here. Yeah. And also don't just, don't just remove your old category pages just because you, you stop selling uh, these, these types of products or just because you want to. Because it happened to me when I was uh, basically uh, doing keyword research and then writing the title tags. And I was literally going to the, uh, to the category page to change the title tag. And the, the page was not found. And I was like, what's going on? Am I insane? And then I checked, uh, checked cash, everything was in place. So then I realized that the client was just deleting the category pages on the go. So don't do this. <laughs> I once had, uh, taking that, that to another hideous level, I once had a client, a coaching client who will remain nameless because I would never shame anyone um, for doing this, but they went on holiday. And whilst they went on holiday, they... Um, took their whole website offline and just left up their homepage saying, we're on holiday back next week. And that was an e-commerce site, which for all, they left their Google ads running, um, but they turned off their website. And you're just like, really? On so many levels, that was a terrible idea. (laughs) Yeah. um, yeah. Don't do that, everyone. You want to leave those pages up so as the, the search engines keep finding them. Um, right. Okay. So categories, great pages to be focusing your SEO effort on. Um, we're going to get into the the kind of the nuts and bolts of your process, your framework in a couple of minutes, Christina. But there's certain companies for which this process works and certain for which it doesn't. And the, the first one that springs to mind for me is that, you know, companies have only got one or two SKUs. This isn't for them, is it? No, it's not because, um, okay. How many, how many category pages <laughs> listing the same two products can you, can you create? I think, I don't think a lot. And the main idea is to bring value. And if you have five different, uh, five different categories, which talk about the same products differently. Um, well, if you, can actually make this valuable that's okay but in most cases you just won't uh you just won't succeed in it uh so having just one or two products or just i don't know three products on the website uh is not enough for uh creating for using this framework 
Because who does this work best for? Which are the companies for whom you, because this is a framework you've created to solve a problem that certain types of companies are working for. So who who is it a no-brainer for to, to start working this process? Yeah, so um, these are online stores which have lots of products. There is no, there is no defined threshold, but basically... 50, 100, 1,000, 10,000 products. Um, and also those which have categories and filters in them because the framework is based on using filters as the basis for creating more targeted subcategories. So if you don't have filters, this framework is not for you as well. But the idea the the logic behind the framework is still applicable because um, what I did there, what this framework does is making things scalable. But you might not make them scalable, right? But still achieve the same um, the same the same outcome just longer. Yeah. So what we're saying is the framework we're about to to talk about is if you've got loads of products and you want a quick way of taking advantage of all those different category options but if you've got a smaller number of products you might be you know you might find it easy just to do it manually i.e. go to the category page and improve the content would that be right christina yeah yeah exactly okay cool so we've got for those of us who've got a load of products certainly 50 plus, who've got filters on their website, so color filters, size filters, brand filters, whatever it might be to enable those products to be grouped together into kind of automated categories. Do you want to run us, we've got say five, 10 minutes we can spend just running through the key um, tenets of your framework? Yeah, sure. And I think it's still important. First, it's still important to uh, tell you a little bit backstory why this framework was created because it will make more sense. Please do. Let's let's hear the backstory. Yeah. So the backstory was that the client um, had lots of products, as we already uh, covered, but the categories were very general. So if we talk about my favorite example, t-shirts, they had a category for just t-shirts or uh, it could be pants um, or skirts something else right and as we already uh, talked about this we don't like we don't succeed when we target just these general uh, general keywords so my first approach was not scalable and again this approach will work for any store and um even, even without the framework. The framework makes it more scalable. So my first approach was to just um, think about which particular um, categories, narrowed categories we can create. So uh, for example, instead of just having t-shirts, there could be uh, t-shirts for women or t-shirts for men or uh, sleeveless t-shirts, right? So you can manually perform keyword research and manually create these categories and make sure that the products which end up there are relevant. So if you're, um, if this category is for sleeveless t-shirts, make sure that all the t-shirts that you list there are sleeveless. So um, basically, this is, this is a normal approach that um, any SEO expert would take, right? Because um, that's how you basically narrow down the categories and making sure that they are targeting longer tail keywords. What the framework does is 
it makes uh, this approach more scalable because instead of going and creating each subcategory manually, you use uh, filters in your store to create these uh, subcategories automatically. And, do, and the framework also includes some um, initial optimization, which is important because at the end of the day, we want to create something valuable, not just create something for the sake of creating. Um, so the framework consists of eight steps. Uh, they are pretty simple. And yeah, I'm just going to uh, walk you through each of them. So the first step is to complete the initial keyword research. This is a vital step because you can't just uh, create something without any initial analysis of what's going on. Uh, for example, again, if you have t-shirts, right, you need to know whether people are looking for t-shirts for this price, t-shirts for this of this color, etc., 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 right? Because now it will make more sense. Step two is to analyze the existing filters in your store and find those that will become the basis for new subcategories. You can't do this step without the initial keyword research. I was going to say, so at this point, Christina, might we, if we've got a filtering system set up, but our filters, we've got color filters, we've got size filters, but what the keyword research is telling us is that the volume is around pricing. Might we at that point add filter data in so we can create some price-based filters to enable us to take advantage of the data? Yes, yes. Uh, what I'd say is that, first of all, to make it less complex, but still scalable, I say that at first you need to um, you need to analyze the existing filters, uh, not create any more filters. If you see that okay, there is a demand for size or, or for example, um, uh, price related filter, but we don't have the price related filter. Okay, skip this. You can do this. Uh, you can do this after uh, next in the next iteration, right? Because we'll get the quick results from using what we've already got, and then we can look at building on that once we've actually taken advantage. I guess otherwise we could just end up spending our entire time building the foundations without ever actually improving our SEO performance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The idea is to use is to utilize what we already have. So uh, the step two is analyzing the existing filters and finding those that will become the basis for subcategories. So um, in my case, for example, the, these were feed, color, and brand, as far as I remember, and the filters like um, size and uh, country of produce and um, price were not going to become subcategories because there were no there was no such volume for this. And now it can be diff different for your situation. If somebody is looking for uh, sneakers like Georgian sneakers size ten, that's okay. Create then create a subcategory for this. But if nobody is looking for this, just don't create a subcategory at this point. Cool. Once you have a keyword research, once you analyze the existing filters and identify those that you're going to work with, then the next step is to define the rules for creating indexable uh, facet pages. And it's basically, um, I'm not going to cover these rules in uh, detail, but the idea is to, uh, to not have a complex installation because if you think about that, you can have so many different variations of things that you can create 
And as I said, the most important thing is to create valuable content. Uh, so in my case, it was uh, having just category plus filter as a variation that creates um, a separate URL, a separate subcategory. But if you have category plus variation plus plus filter plus another another filter plus another filter, there are so many things that can come up with this, and it's just going to be too complex. So um, so when you see, when you look at the, at the at the whole deck, you'll see my acceptance criteria for each of these steps, and it will make more sense to you. Then the next step was to define uh, the rules for canonicalization for the new facet pages. And again, if uh, if the category and filter applied has just two products, it's not really valuable. It has if it has nine products, then it's okay. Uh, so in this step, I just identify the number of the minimum number of products that a filter should have in order to have a canonical pointing to itself. Christina, just before we go on to step five, could you do a quick uh, quick explanation of what canonical is all about? Yes. Which I realize canonical could be an entire episode <laughs> all of its own. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. The headlines would be awesome. So um, what a canonical tag does, it's, uh, it says to Google, which page should be treated as the most important page and which page should be ranked. So if you have um, if you have one or two similar pages, you basically say, okay, uh, I want you, Google, uh, to treat page A as the most important page and page B uh, should be basically consolidated with, with page A. Uh, this is a canonical uh, between two pages. But... Also, for self-referencing canonicals. Self-referencing canonical means that a page references itself. So a page A has a canonical pointing to a page A. This means that uh, this is an SEO best practice. And uh, when, for example, you have any query parameters like UTMs, I'm pretty sure that marketers all know what UTM tags are. They are awesome. They are amazing. But when you're using UTM tags, uh, for example, page A and then UTM tags, it's basically a new URL. You might have never thought about this, but this is a new URL, which can potentially be treated by Google as uh, a duplicate page to your page A. So if your page A has self-referencing canonical pointing to itself, then whenever you add query parameters, it doesn't really matter. Everything is fine. So the bottom line here, if your page is valuable if you want this page to be uh, ranked in Google have a self-referencing canonical on this page nice explanation that was good um, so just to recap everyone where we're at we've had step one complete the keyword research step two analyze your filters see how they match with your keyword research step three define the rules for creating the pages step four define the rules for the canonicalization which I thought I was going to say wrongly there but I did it okay so um, Christina what's our step five uh, yeah, thank you for uh, for the summary. Uh, step five is uh, to basically set internal linking to success. Internal links are links um, which we find inside of the website, right? So it's important not only to create this new new subcategories. It's also important to make sure that they are added in the existing website infrastructure. And one of the things that I 
we include in my acceptance criteria for developers to create this, um, to make all this happen, is to make sure that all the links are added with href attribute. It's a no-brainer, it makes sense, but sometimes just, uh, you know, developers can add it with JavaScript, like on-click function. And the truth is that Google doesn't interact with your pages. So if you have uh, your links added without any href attribute, surprise, surprise, Google won't follow them. Uh, so basically, step five is just making sure that all the links to newly created pages are added to your website with href attributes. Cool. Uh, the, the next step Again, as I said, it's important to make these pages valuable. So the step six is to create title and H1 tags templates. Uh, because what is the quickest and easiest way to make sure that the page um, page targets the right keywords? It's adding the title and H1 tag. Uh, so as this approach is scalable, I'm talking about templates, but not adding each and every title tag or H1 tag manually. You can do it afterwards, but for the sake of, um, again, utilizing what you, we already have and making it faster, we need to have templates. And for me, a template was um, facet name, category name, and then in Canada, and then brand name, for example. So this would be green t-shirts in Canada, and then brand name. Uh, the H1 tag is basically the same, but without the brand name at the end. Pretty easy, makes sense, and it's not yeah, it's not hard to do. And as I said, at the end you can come back once everything is done. You can come back and customize this title tags or H1 tags manually. Uh, step seven is to test everything, because every step comes with acceptance criteria. Basically how things should look like when when they are successfully achieved. So how, for example, title tags should look like when they are uh, generated on the subcategory pages, right? So you need to test everything to make sure that everything is done correctly. Because whenever you do something scalable, it's prone to error. And your task here is to make sure that there are no mistakes uh, in the implementation. And the last, last but not least part is to improve because there is always room for improvement, right? And for example, in this case, again, you can improve title tags manually. You can also um, add unique content to your newly created subcategory pages. So the opportunities are endless and you can always improve, improve and improve on top of what you already have. Brilliantly explained, Christina. And I particularly, you know, given this is the Keep Optimizing podcast, which is all about improving, 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 I love that step eight is improve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's just important, right? Because especially in SEO, in marketing, marketing, uh, SEO is part of marketing. It's always like that. You don't just launch a campaign and then you just don't touch it. You always improve, optimize. Exactly. And you, you know, I love the way that your framework automates, you know, the bulk of the work. And then we can go back into the 20% best pages. We could go and tweak and improve and add that content and add those H1 tags. But at least we've done the bulk of it 
so we'll see the impact really, really quickly. And how quickly could we see the impact from a process like this? For the client that I initially created this framework um, for, they saw a two million additional two million in revenue in yearly revenue, which is insane. I was really happy when I heard about that, and it took them, um, I think, uh, as far as I remember, three months to do all of this and then start seeing results. That, in the world of SEO, that is a quick result, isn't it? It's a, it's a big and quick result. Yeah, it doesn't It doesn't mean that they saw the whole 2 million additional revenue in just within this three-month framework. It's a projection of how much, uh, because it, it can be even more at the end of this period, right? Nice. Well, guys, um, if you want to do that, you can, of course, listen to this again to get the, you know, the big picture stuff. But you can also head to keepoptimizing.com. Go to the uh, the show notes page for this episode where you can get the, the blog post that explains step by step all the detail that Christina quickly ran through. Well, look, Christina, thanks so much for running through all of that. Um, we're going to pause now for a reminder of our sponsors, and then we're going to get to talk about the whole world of SEO. It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. And if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. But once they've made that first purchase, how do you keep them coming back? Well, that's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your contact list, send memorable emails, automate key messages and more way, way more. Whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get growing faster and it's free to get started. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Okay, Christina, so far we've gone deep into how we can use our categories to target our long tail keywords. Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of SEO. So for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with SEO, which of course does include using categories to target long tail keywords if you want it to. So Christina, are you ready? Yes, I am. Woo. Okay, cool. So First off, let's start with SEO newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step with SEO today, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? They okay. So um, what I usually what I usually think about when I go back and and think about my own way and what helped me is uh, first of all being curious, always learn new things. That's amazing. And also have your own website. It's actually very important because um, at the end of the day, when you when you need to, for example, log in to, to Google Search Console of your client, you won't be surprised about what's going on there because you will already seen your Google Search Console and you know all the reports. And the best part is that you can experiment with your own website. You can, you can block it. You can, um, I don't know, you can break it and nobody will tell you anything because it's your own website. So it's important to have this playground, which really, really makes you a better SEO at the end of the day. Nice. Okay. Once you've started, of course, with your SEO, you've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve SEO performance? I think that one of my uh, favorite ways is to um, basically 
have a look at Search Console, have a look at Google Analytics without, you know, um, without having all the time to follow a checklist or something, just finding time to be curious, just looking at uh, the stats and saying, oh, interesting, what's going on here? And then drill down and see what's, what's maybe something went wrong and you didn't really notice it. What helps, to, um, what helps to optimize it is to, for example, have Google Alerts, um, have something like that in place. But also, uh, I remember when I was working at an agency, one thing that I suggested to an agency, and it went really, really well, is to have something similar to optimization, <laughs> keep optimizing, uh, that PPC, um, PPC managers do. I used to be a PPC manager full-time for over a year, and I love PPC as well. Uh, so what you usually do is to is to uh, look at the keywords. You look what's going on. You look at the search terms. You need to uh, to be always on top of this, right? But when it comes to SEO, you don't really look at the numbers a lot. So what is suggested in that company in that agency is to have something like that uh, every week or bi-weekly, depending on the clients. Um, basically pacing or optimization for SEO like you would do for um, for uh, a PPC account, right? And it really helped to find some, you know, small mistakes, small errors that were caused, for example, by the client changing something on the website, but you would not notice them as they were quite small, but in the long run, they had the negative impact. You won't easily see them if you are not curious enough right i love that because the thing with the, the, the you know kind of often the challenge for seo consultants seo agencies and seo managers in house is that you're not in complete control of the pages that your your performance is based on yeah you know so so yeah checking on a regular basis those key pages those key keywords makes total sense great another piece of great advice okay uh christina it's impossible to improve our marketing unless we're monitoring the performance but the list of stuff we could monitor can be overwhelming so what for you is the number one seo kpi um well i think that one of the most important kpis for me is traffic which is related to uh, sales, not just traffic, not just sales, but traffic related to the sales, organic traffic. And um, what I usually do for that, for example, in uh, Google Analytics, I create content groups to make sure that I'm looking at the right information. So let me give you an example. If this is an e-commerce store and uh, it has a blog, and it has many pages, so basically categories, product page, product pages, etc. And you can see that overall, uh, the traffic is growing, everything is fine. But then when you drill down, you see that actually the blog is doing really, really well, while the many pages are um, actually the traffic and sales are decreasing. So that's where I use content grouping. It's really easy to uh, to do this in Google Analytics, um, and you can you can actually have a look how your money pages are performing. Because at the end of the day, this is the main thing what you're you should be interested in, right? So um, yeah, just to summarize, I look at the traffic and sales related to this traffic. Nice. Okay. Finally. 
the crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for in SEO? Oh my God. I This question makes me laugh because uh, imagine if you asked somebody 12 months ago, what was going to happen? And they would say, oh, there's going to be a pandemic or something like that. Imagine <laughs> how, how people would be, what? That's, in, that, that's not possible. No way, right? <laughs> that's funny. And I wish, I wish I could be, um, uh, yeah, I, I could be a wizard and know what's going to happen exactly. But when it comes to e-commerce in general, there is a very distinct trend in people shopping online more than versus offline. Even when it comes to uh, different things like grocery shopping, uh, there will be there will be people who experience this, you know, online grocery shopping and realize, oh, you know what, I just can save time and don't go to to, to an offline store and just do everything online. And this is also applicable to shopping for clothes, shopping for basically for everything, because now we can find everything online. And I even saw this uh, graph with uh, different sectors uh, of e-commerce impacted. And I saw that home and, gar- home and garden, for example, they are on a rise or do-it-yourself things, they are on a rise. So basically what I think that e-commerce is going to be growing and growing and growing. And even those uh, sectors that experience decreases like travel, they're going to pick up as well because nobody will cancel traveling forever, right? Um, and one more funny thing is that I remember I shared this also in one of the uh, talks that according to NASDAQ, by 2040, about 95% of all the um, all the purchases will be done online, basically by e-commerce. And with this lockdown, I think that we are approaching 2040 in our 2020. Yeah, and it, it's which makes it ever more important to be investing in your SEO, doesn't it? Well, look, Christina, we are very nearly at the end of the show. So could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media? Yes, sure. Um, so my website is marketingsyrup.com. It's like maple syrup because I'm based in Canada, but marketing syrup. <laughs> I know it makes the explanation uh, easier. <laughs> so marketingsyrup.com. Uh, this is my website, and um, on, on social media, I'm Azarchik uh, on Twitter or Christina Zarenko, who would have thought, on LinkedIn. Um, also, on my website, you can see a link to a newsletter. I have an e-commerce SEO newsletter, which has more than 600 subscribers already, and they're even from Shopify, from Google, from Avon, from Disney. I was shocked to, to realize, but yeah, that's amazing. I send uh, free tips about e-commerce SEO, about marketing uh, in e-commerce in general. So make sure to subscribe. And uh, I've also recently launched uh, an ebook. It's an ebook about e-commerce SEO mistakes, seven mistakes that I've seen so many times online store making. Um, it's um, it's also on my website on marketing syrup slash ebook. Uh, and when you get this ebook, you'll also get two bonus videos. One of them is 
with the framework. And the second one is about using site search analysis like a pro for improving UX and improving SEO as well. That's awesome, Christina. And um, so generous of you to, you know, to let us know about that and to put so much content out there. How can people get hold of that ebook? Uh, yeah, so you can find the ebook on marketingsyrup.com slash ebook. Uh, and you'll have a special offer. Everybody who's listening right now, you'll have a special offer. So guys, you can get that special offer on the ebook if you go to keepoptimizing.com and then navigate to the show notes for this episode. And on that page, scroll down towards the bottom and you will find exactly how to get the special offer on that brilliant ebook with those great bonus videos as well. Christina, thank you so much for being on the Keep Optimizing podcast today. I love your I love your approach to SEO, you know, trying to make it as efficient as possible and as powerful as possible. But I also love that framework that you shared too. So thanks so much for being so generous sharing all of that with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me and have a really, really, really great day, everyone who's listening to this podcast. So as you probably worked out by now, I really love the eight-step framework that Christina's developed to help you take advantage of those long-tail keywords with the buyer intent. But there is a lot of detail to take in there. So do make sure you check out the show notes page for this episode, which you'll find via keepoptimizing.com. On the show notes, you will find completely for free on notes about this episode, including the full transcripts. That's all the words we said. Um, you'll find the link to Christina's blog about those eight steps. You'll find the link to join Christina's e-commerce SEO newsletter, which is packed with the latest SEO tips. Now, all of that you're going to get completely for free if you just head to the show notes page via keepoptimizing.com. You'll get all of that. Now, what you'll also find there is details of how to get a very special deal on Christina's new ebook, Seven E-commerce SEO Mistakes, which includes two bonus videos, one of which is about what we've been talking about today. Phew, right. I think that that's all the, the great extra info you can get uh, relating to today's episode. And as part of my mission to help you improve your marketing, I've invited all our SEO specialists to join us for a Q&A webinar at the end of the month. It's your chance to get your questions answered. So I know you like the questions I ask a lot of the time, but I'm sure you've got some of your own. Maybe by the time we get to the end of the month, you'll have tried out this, this method and this framework and you'll have some questions for Christina or for any of our other SEO specialists. So go and get yourself registered for the webinar by heading to keepoptimizing.com where you will find all the details. Um, and I'm really looking forward to getting to connect with some of you guys there. And uh, oh, and of course, I should also say, if you are listening to this after the webinar happened, don't worry, you can catch the replay. Just head to keepoptimizing.com to find that. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Keep Optimizing podcast and tuning in week after week because it's so, so cool how fast this podcast is growing. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, do check out episode six with Luke Carthy because I think it fits really well with what you've learned today. And I would love your help to spread the word about the podcast, which is why we're running our launch competition, where you can win a Keep Optimizing podcast t-shirt. We are giving away a t-shirt every week in August to someone who's posted what they think of the show on social media. You can get one entry by sharing on Twitter or Instagram what you think of the show. If you include the hashtag Keep Optimizing with an S not a Z, remember, or you can get three entries by finding us on Apple Podcasts, subscribing, rating and reviewing. 
Then screen grab your review and share it on Twitter or Instagram with the hashtag keep optimizing again with an S. We're gathering up all those entries each week and picking a winner every Wednesday until the 2nd of September 2020. You can find all the details of that at keepoptimizing.com as well as everything else we've mentioned in today's show. Now have a great week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimizing your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimizing at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.